Father, God, righteous, holy judge of the universe, we pray for your will to be done right now. In and through us, through this time, we bind the powers of the prince of the power of the air, those spirits that would hinder this transmission, uh, scatter it, scratch it, snatch it, whatever they want to do. Father, we forbid it in the name of Jesus Christ, and we stand our ground, Lord God. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive the revelation of your love and truth. Lord God, that the people who are caught up in the war will not become bitter or discouraged or cause their focus to go off of you. Lord, I pray that you said you shall know the truth and the truth is set you free. Some of us are very oppressed, battle-weary. We've been into these uh, battles for a long, long time. I pray that you would encourage their hearts, encourage their hearts to be strong in the Lord, for we do not wrestle with arm of flesh. But the battle is yours, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross. You took the victory. You defeated our enemy. Lord, you showed us how to do it. And you also showed us that there was going to be a lot of wrestling, a lot of assaults, a lot of spiritual attack, even as you went through this yourself and as your followers went through it. So, Lord, we pray today that as we talk about the um, uh, honoring our parents, lip service, hypocrisy, and all of those kinds of heart issues that you give us a heart to understand. I thank you, too, for giving us power over all the power of the enemy, to not be afraid, to not be anxious, to not be take matters into our own hands. Uh, Lord, let justice prevail against the enemy. And Father God, we thank you now that you said you promised no weapon formed against us will prosper. So let the shields of God, the angels of God, the protections of God, the word of God, the spirit of God, protect the people of God, wherever they are today and however they're being slammed, slaughtered, slimed, that you will raise up a standard against the enemy, Lord, and defeat him on every hand, that there will be good news, that your little mighty warriors will be full of joy because the faithful one has delivered us. I thank you now that you cover our words and conversations. May we speak as the oracles of God and Jesus Christ. May he come as our faithful witness and the Holy Spirit inspire us. Amen. 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 Well, it's been a while since we've been here. Well, we're here. We're here now. We've been a little busy. A little bit. A little bit. But we're back to what? Mark chapter seven. Okay. We're going to jump right into it. Um, that we, we're, what we're seeing here is that the tide is turning. Mm-hmm. The tide is turning against Jesus Christ yep, yep. among the Jewish leaders. And they're kind and, of ganging up on him. They're ganging up on him. Mm-hmm. So, so here, comes, here come the spies. In Mark chapter 7, verse, uh, beginning with verse 1, we're going to go through verse uh, 13 and then just kind of backtrack here. Uh, then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. So they're coming from Jerusalem all the way up to Bethsaida, which is about like 60, 80 miles, to spy out on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defile, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups and pitchers and copper vessels and couches. (laughs) Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, 
Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching his doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. And he said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father and mother, him let him be put to death. But I say to you, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban, that is, a gift to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. Wow. wow. So here, wow. Back, just before we back it up again, Notice that he's using this particular honor your father and mother commandment to, as an example to, um, to, to show uh, why and how they were misusing the word of God, the intentions of God to honor their parents by casting, casting that aside and saying, oh, 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 we're giving this to God. We're giving this to the use of the temple. It's like, it's like people who are fear, fearful if they don't put their tithe in the temple that God's going to get mad at them and in, in the process of, of tithing, their people, their parents, their children, or whatever, are starving along the way, and their uh, their the, the, you know charity begins at home. They're not even acknowledging that. But let's go back. Well, yeah, Jesus is making a point here, right? That to, he's talking to those who thought they were the most uh, meticulous mm-hmm. keepers of the law, right? To show that they were the most uh, blatant violators. Blatant violators. Yeah of the law and the attention of the spirit of the law God had given. No, what they were talking about, this was not like your mother saying to you, no, make sure, Johnny, you wash your hands before you eat. The the Jews had this tradition. It was this certain ceremonial type washing they did. They had to wash, you know, from the fingertips to the elbows in a certain way. It was not for sanitary purposes, just in case they had been possibly defiled by some contact or secondary contact with something unclean, like a a Gentile or something. You know, it reminds me of the people who are tormented with hand washing, obsessive compulsive disorders of hand washing, where they're trying to wash and, and get rid of any germs or second secondary germs that have come from something. So they're they're really trying to control their environment. They're trying to control their purity, their holiness through all of these meager uh, activities of washing. Like washing with water cannot wash sin and, and iniquity out of your heart. But nonetheless, they were obsessive about these traditions, and they were not saying, oh, Jesus, you guys could get sick. You're not washing your hands. There was no care of Jesus getting germs, and I don't think they had that concept back then. Uh, God had, had told them to wash. There were certain ways and situations in which they were to wash, especially the priests when they were going right, into the temple right. and things like that, which is only, you know, and he had sanitary rules for them. Absolutely. But 
and how to deal with sores and leprosy and things. And these were just practical things because at that point in time, they didn't really know about the spread of they diseases. Couldn't out, they and, couldn't Google healthcare <laughs> right, uh, right. issues, questions. So, so he just made the, these simple rules and, you know, this is how they were to stay safe and clean. But but so Jesus is walking into town or wherever he is and they come pouncing on him. He has well, just done the feeding of the 5,000. Now we have another issue with hand washing and eating. I well, mean... Yeah, and they're finding fault. The thing is, they're always these. You know, it's they want to very find fault. strictly mm-hmm. religious people. Yes, in general, they're always picking away at at something. They're always looking for something that's wrong. And right. Jesus, okay, we know that Jesus Christ never sinned. You know, right, he never has. He never will. Did, never can. will. Yeah, can't. Won't. All that sort of thing, but they're finding fault. They're making up some charges right. against him. They say, "You, you cannot be who you say you are. You cannot be the son of because God. We you don't cannot be it. a prophet yeah. of God yeah. because you're not keeping our rules." Well, right, and and they judge. There are him. rules, and they God's judged. making clear that these are your rules. They're not God's. Well, they were judging him too because they were judging him according to their perceptions of him. They had already, you know, they were wicked and evil and vile and 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 self-indulgent and all these other things. But they were, you know, projecting these kind of um, uh, descriptions of character and whatnot on Jesus. They were, they had reformed in their mind. They'd already judged him in their mind that he was not keeping the law. And therefore, they were finding fault with him and blind to the fact that they were absolutely drawing a wrong conclusion. Because they were they were judging out of their own blindness, their own misperceptions. He said, Jesus said about this. He said, "Let the blind lead the blind. They're going to both fall in the ditch. It's it's what can you do about it? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe their backsliding will bring them to repentance. But so he is up against a wall here of, pe- of people who are not interested in knowing the truth. Well, here Jesus really brings the truth out here. Jesus did not live according to political correctness. Okay, so he calls them. Well, he, yeah, but, but see, he, he, you're right, but this is not just political, this is spiritual. And well, so I understand. They, they, are, they have believed that what they're doing, their traditions, their meticulous weighing out of mint and anise and, sin, and, and you know, tithing of all these things and whatnot they're doing, they believe that this is honoring God. They believe that they're right. They're, they're absolutely convinced that they are right, and this makes them righteous. Okay. They're believing that if I am right, then I'm righteous, and they can't be wrong, because if I'm wrong, I'm not right, and if I'm not right, I'm not righteous. So they're actually believing that their righteousness is coming from being right, like most people. You think your righteousness the coming comes from you being right. No, it comes from you, the righteousness of Jesus Christ applied to you. Well, what, they're, what, they're, what they've come up with is opinions, okay? They have elevated elevated their opinions. Mm -hmm. The opinions have turned into practices. Practices have turned into traditions that actually supersede the Word of God. They're more. You look look upon. Let's Mm -hmm. apply this. Okay, look across what's known as Christendom today. All the. I mean, it is a unholy mess for Mm -hmm. the most part Mm -hmm. in, in the churches. There's traditions, there's rules, there's vestments, there's, there's sacraments, sacrifice, there's, there's statues, there's, there's statues, idols, there's mm-hmm. idols, there's, 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 there's fear. There's, fear and control is everywhere because there's bylaws because because, because <laughs> yeah right and steeples and and and, and bells and but the, the thing is 
people are because they don't have the right gospel. The right gospel is a gospel of peace, rest, come unto me, all you that labor, grace, mercy, forgiveness. But the, but that gospel makes the devil no money, and it also gives the devil no power. You have to have a gospel of fear, and the fear that is generated here is the fear of germs, the fear of sin, the fear of offending God. Satan actually loves the law. He actually, God basically fulfilled the law and then set the law aside, so it's because Jesus has said, I've come to fulfill the law, satisfy the law. So God set aside Satan. Said, oh, no, no, no. Let me use that now. I can use that. So he well, began to build all kinds of, of rules and traditions and then cause the people to look at those and say, if I've done this and this, here's my checkoff list. I went to church. I did this, da, 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 da. Then I'm fine with God. And you know what? It doesn't bring life. It brings exhaustion. It brings condemnation. It brings performance, perfection, and the fear, anxiety of not doing it good enough or having to do it again. And it brings nastiness. Yeah, the nasties, real nastiness. Some of the Judgmentalism. Most, some of the most nasty, right. demonic people are the most religious oh, for in, sure. in the so-called Christian sense. And you know, that spirit of... You, ju- can, say, you can probably say that from your own experience. Well, I can, for I mean, sure, in mine. Mean, people that are listening. <laughs> yeah, you know. but right. But see, but see then it, it's, it trickles down into judgmentalism. Really what's going on is they're judging, and the Bible says, thou shalt not judge. So they're judging Jesus as, ba- as finding fault with him. He's guilty. He deserves to be punished. He doesn't deserve to be listened to. He's bad. He's misleading the people. He's um, he, So they're really bringing a lot of personal incrimination against him to cut off his followers or his credibility. And Jesus is bringing in, in, in incrimination, incrimination? Against them, yeah. Against them. Yeah, and he calls them. He says, well, he quotes Isaiah, I think it's 29, 13. Yeah, tough he passage. Says, he says, it's a tough, uh, he says, hypocrites. Mm-hmm. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me. Mm-hmm. In other words, Teaching worship, for doctors, it commandments it's empty. Yeah. It's, just, it's nothing. Uh, it's evil. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now, hypocrites, the original word for hypocrite means an actor. It means someone who puts mm-hmm. on a mask, someone who percent. Uh, so we could say, in a sense, a fake. T- today, actors uh, who pretend are, are uh, on TV and movies. In a sense, they're pretending hip- to be somebody they're else. Hi- they're hypocrites in the sense they're pretending to see someone that they're not, and and maybe never have any intention of, of being. So so they're pretending they're these pious religious. Uh, people, I want to just read this. Well, can I say something about a yeah. definition of hypocrisy that just came to well, me while you're reading that? Someone who pretends to love and follow God uh, and makes others believe something that is not true through actions done uh, with a deliberate intention to deceive their hearts and the source of their affections is not what they say. In other words, they they pretend to be with you speaking. He says, "You give me lip service." We'll get to that in a minute. So they're they're actually a lot of hypocrites are maybe so spiritually blind they don't even know they're hypocrites because they say you're judging me, but how is it that you are judging me? You are saying you're doing you're you're saying to me uh, you're this you're that you're and 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 you're 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 saying you're judging me, but then you're saying that. I can say back to them, you're not, you, you, they're accusing you of judging. They're accusing, and, and they're not judging you. And well, they're judging themselves. They're ju- well, not only that, but they're not judging me. Right. They accuse, but they're not judging. Yeah. 
Well, the, th- the Bible says that we're we're to expose unrighteousness. Or, you How know, do you do that? You know, without, without you know, judging. The thing is, to people say, "Judge not, lest you be judged," and they twist that to mean I should never correct anything. Or be, I should yeah. never speak anything that's wrong according to the that's that's or, contrary. To or scripture. anything that you say to me that I don't like, I can call or accuse you of judging me. Right, right. So you, what did you say? That what was that verse you just said about? Isaiah twenty nine thirteen. Yeah, the one right you just said a minute ago about um, you know ju- discerning. God wants us to. Dis- he well, says, yeah. "By their he fruits says, you shall know them." Lest you be judged. So, but but what we're saying is we're not here to condemn people. We're not here to condemn people. God, God is the righteous judge. But they were. He makes the final. He makes right. the final decision. However, it's important for us to point out discern. unrighteousness, right. discern, there you yeah. and to speak against it right. and t- take action. Jesus did that. He did the that. The prophets did that all the time. All the time. That's they're, what they did. They're, they're reading the riot act yeah. to the people. Were they judging them? No, no. They were just they were just saying they, they were, were speaking the word yeah. of God and declaring. Yeah. So he, what happens too is that, you know, a lot of uh, Christians get offended when people well, call out their right, faults right. and then they yell, you're judging me. Well, was well, Jeremiah, Isaiah, were these people judging or were they, they warning? They were actually warning the people, uh, calling to light their evil, vile passions, idolatries, and deeds so that they could warn them to protect them, to avert the judgment. But the people didn't heed them, didn't hear them because they were blind and they were simply finding fault with the, with the messenger, as we see here with oh, that, Jesus. That's what, the, yeah, if you don't like the message, uh, Kill attack, the messenger. attack the messenger, yeah, that that's sort what... of thing. But, you know, how many today, how many... Uh, pastors, other leaders are are fearful. They don't want to step anybody's toes. We, the right. goal is we got to keep everybody happy, which you can never do, and, <laughs> and try to keep everybody happy. You got to keep the Every, money flowing yep, in. Yep, yep. You don't want to offend anybody because people get offended at the drop of a and hat they, these they, days, yeah, and, they and, they, and they jump, they leave, mm-hmm. or, and they maybe jump in with a lawsuit and that sort of thing. So. So everything well, here, here, yeah. everything mm-hmm. gets to be milk toast. Everything is gets to be watered down. Entertainment, nicey nicey, lovey lovey, which Jesus would call hypocrisy. Right. Jesus well, would come into that and overturn turn the, the tables. tables. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, the thing is, the reason that, for example, just back to what you're saying a minute, pastors are so milk toast and afraid is because they're working in the wrong system. You know, Peter right. and, and J- James and John, they they were not under the constraints of do we, we've got to keep the people happy so we can keep the money coming in. The, the, the way we've set up the church these days is a counterfeit system. It is not the body of Christ for the most part. Yes, there are people who love Jesus and are part of his body that are hanging out in these places yeah. and not getting very well taken care of or fed. But nonetheless, the pastors, are, are their, their hands are tied and they're living and serving under a spirit of fear, not a system. A system that is not godly, and, right. and, and it's a system built on sin. It's a system built on getting rid of your sin. It's a system built on lies, because Jesus, is his gospel is grace and good news, not stop sinning. When Jesus comes, he puts his laws in our hearts, and we don't want to sin anymore. And yes, we will still sin, because we will be tricked and deceived by the deceiver who's still out there working full time. But when you sin, the Bible says simply, confess your sin, repent, acknowledge it. But nowadays, people, there's no way to acknowledge a sin or confess or repent because no one is a sinner. Everybody's way is right in their own eyes. The truth is whatever you want it to be. 
And there's this, this is extremely dangerous because if there is no absolute truth and there is no God, and we're not saying God is a mean God who's ready to beat you up. We're saying God is a loving God and God, his whole system has been counterfeited by Satan and now is purported to be and sold as and packaged, repackaged, distributed as the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is why you have pastors who are scared to call out things. People are yelling, don't judge me, don't judge me. And you know what? But, but we're not, you, you can discern. There's a difference between behavior and being. You're, you, you're not, you're discerning the behavior, the behavior. Paul even said in First uh, Corinthians chapter 5, he says, there's this guy who was sleeping with his father's mother, wife or whatever he was doing. Yeah. And, and Paul says, you know, I'm there in spirit. He says, turn that man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his soul might be saved. Who that is the, pretty hardcore. Who, who does that today? Yeah. And then we got the little story of Ananias and Spire in there, too, who just kind of dropped down dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, see, that's a that's a clean machine. That's where people are holding one another to the standard that will keep them safe. And they won't be, you know, you say, was Paul saying, what, what, judge the man? He didn't say judge the man. He says, for, you know, and then in the second book, he says, okay, we are not ignorant of the enemy's devices. Restore such a one. And then in Galatians, he says, yes, in in the spirit of meekness, lest we also be tempted. And be careful when you're restoring someone that you're not holier than thou and being swept up in your own self-righteous blindness. This is a very dangerous thing to, but, but, but we are here to, uh, assist one another. But if I if, if I can't ever say, hey, brother, you know what? You know what you're doing right now? That's really putting you in jeopardy. That that That's that's going to be a, a heavy-duty burden, risk. That's a trick. Satan's laying on you a, a trick. And, and you and I can't say anything because they, they, they might be offended. Here we're talking about that sort of thing, offense, judgment. Uh, then, then how can I love my brother? You know, Jesus was here to tell the truth. And here's the big problem. In Isaiah, we have this issue that he, um, he, 29, he reversed it. Inasmuch, uh, verse 13, there, therefore the Lord said, in, inasmuch as these people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me and, and their fear towards me is taught by the commandment of men. Mm-hmm. Therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among the people, a marvelous work and a wonder and then he goes on, for the wisdom of the wise men shall perish and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. So he's saying, you know, it's not trying to figure it out. That's not going to give you the answer, trying to be wise and figure it out and trying to, you know, do your pros and cons and your list of, you know, pros and cons, whatever. It is about submitting to Jesus Christ with humility and letting the Holy Spirit correct you. We all need correction. You know, if you take correction, he says, if you, if you correct a wise man, he will receive it. If you correct a scoffer, he will, he will strike you. You'll get a, a blight, a blot. They, they won't receive it. And here we've got a whole mega group of scoffers that were not interested in what Jesus had to say. They were only interested in proving him to be a lawbreaker and a hypocrite. Yeah, and speaking of hypocrisy here, I just want to read this. I think this is good. This is from the, uh, uh, it's a comment on verses 6 and 7 in the uh, Life Application Study Bible. It says, hypocrisy is pretending to be something you are not and have no intention of being. Mm. Jesus called the Pharisees hypocrites because they worship God for the wrong reasons. Their Mm -hmm. worship was not motivated by love, but by a desire to attain profit, Mm -hmm. to appear holy, and to increase their status. 
We become hypocrites when we pay more attention to reputation than character, when we carefully follow certain religious practices while allowing our hearts to remain distant from God, and while we emphasize our vir- our virtues but others' sins. Well, you see this even nowadays. I mean, we're just kind of looking through the Internet last night, I'm very shocked and saddened to see how some of our stars... Our Jesus stars, you know, the big ones who get on the, the high-gloss covers of the famous magazines. With the $20 million private jets and right. expensive, and he, elaborate, lushing and, lifestyles and, oh. where, they, where they pick the pockets of, the of their worshipers. And, and the sad thing about that, and there's so many of them, big yeah. names that you would know. That you've probably given it. money to, that you, you bought you, their books, yeah. you've listened to their CDs. What, what bothers yeah. me, and that's as much about their lifestyle, their elaborate, hypocritical, self-indulgent, self-indulgent mm-hmm. lifestyle, way beyond. They say it's blessing. It's not. It's selfishness. It's mm-hmm. nar- narcissism. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's just abomination. It's abomination. Really? Because, yeah. And what bothers me more than that is all the people, the millions of people that are so deceived and sucked into it, sucked into and go it, to their conferences and go, go to their, to their rallies and swoon over buy, their hands, buy their books, yeah. watch their DVDs and swoon, get their autographed copy of their yeah. books. And, and the foolish people, foolish, absolutely foolish, foolish people foolishness. that support this. It's like if you, if they would read the Bible, you know, if they, <laughs> no, if they would just look at, the kind of lifestyle right. and kind of attitude and heart these people are living. Really look at their life. Take an examine. Yeah, because the, the Bible examine says, yeah. what uh-huh. they're doing. And is, okay, is this something you wanted to support? Well, is this what you see Jesus promoting? Or is this just a total self-centered rock star mentality? Okay, look at here. And Jesus said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So he, he goes on to say later that the heart, for out of the heart comes, proceeds thoughts of adulteries and fornications and murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, uh, deceit, licentiousness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within, within and defile a man. So if you see by the fruit, if you look at the fruit of what you see them doing, buying, uh, promoting, uh, permitting, excusing, uh, you see what they're saying. Then read it backwards and look, and you'll see the fruit of their heart. And and there's 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 yeah maybe they're giving a bunch of money to missions, but they're giving forty times that amount to their own indulgences. Now I is that judging or is that discerning? I have to say I'm I feel very sorry and sad that these people have been given such a huge platform in the Christian Church in the body of Jesus Christ when they're absolutely preaching counterfeit gospels and people and because people don't know a counterfeit they're not that interested in you know if it works spend it you know if it's a counterfeit 20 who cares if as long as it buys me my groceries i don't care but the thing is the point is this counterfeit gospel is built on fear hypocrisy pride deception and the heart that's full of treachery the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked who can know it. Only the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit can sweep out that heart and establish in us a heart of true compassion, love. And, and But so when I see this, does it mean I don't love these people because I'm discerning? Did it mean Peter wasn't loving Ananias and Sapphira when he discerned what the Holy Spirit did and said? Does it mean that Jesus didn't love these people because he was discerning their hypocrites? Absolutely not. He loved them enough to tell them. He loved them enough to warn them. He loved them enough 
to lay down his life, take it, take, become a prey. His life becomes a prey. As Paul said, my life becomes a prey. He who tells the truth, his life becomes a prey to him because people don't like the truth. And so they go after you. So he absolutely loved them so much. Jesus and these wonderful examples, Peter, Paul, James, John, Stephen, loved them so much that they saw the treachery, but they were willing to lay down their lives to tell these people the truth that perhaps maybe some of them would see and discern and, and receive the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is called repentance. We are in a terrible quandary right now in this nation, in the church, because the church is so, she's been so seduced. She has been so zombified. She has been so drugged up and stupefied. Stupefied, that's the word, because that's exactly the word Jesus uses. He talks to Paul and uses that word in Romans 7, 11. He says, if if my people, if they if the people mix here, I'll read it to you. Going back to hypocrisy, um, and and chapter eleven, the verse one. I say then, as God cast away His people, certainly not. And then Paul goes on to say, I'm an Israelite of the tribe of Benjamin. Blah 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 blah. And then he says, um, but what does the divine response say? He says, um, I have reserved for myself seven thousand who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so, then at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then is no longer works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace and work is no longer work. But if it is of work, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. (coughs) What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it and the rest were hardened. Just as it was written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see, ears that they should not hear, to this very day. And David adds to that curse, and he says, And let their table become a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, and bow down their backs always. Now, what he's saying here is, if people are taught, and this is what happens when you take that tradition of men, like the Pharisees were doing, and mixing it with grace... It becomes a deadly mixture. It actually promotes a spirit of stupor. It says here, God um, God has given them a spirit of stupor. What does that mean? God is counterproductive, cross purposes to himself? No, it means that God is basically abiding by the rule of whom we yield ourselves servants to obey, his slave we become. And if we've obeyed and believed and followed and been enticed by and, and seduced by this counterfeit gospel, then Satan has a right to bring the spirit of stupor on us. And he goes to God and God, he says, God, they're listening to me. I have a right to bring my spirit of stupor upon them. And God says, yep, that's right. That's according to the rules. Now that's not what God wants. And, and Satan antes it up and he says, and I get to, and David said, so I get to bring a curse to their table. So that's why we have the GMO products. We have the poisoned and pesticided uh, foods that are killing us. We have the too many carbs. We have the bad wheat. We have all of these things that have been sprayed to death. We eat dead potatoes. I mean, all of these things are, are at our tables. What else do we do at a table? We have conversations and we make contracts. So what everything is being contaminated, corrupted, and deceived because of one thing. We've mixed grace with law. God, Jesus came to separate them. And this is what we're seeing in Matthew here. There is a big war that the, the Pharisees do not want to separate the law and their traditions from the truth. And Jesus has said, it's in your heart. What your heart is full of, you know, you're going, you're, you says they, they worship they worship me in vain. In vain they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. You cannot teach the doctrines of men and worship God in spirit and in truth. And the Pharisees knew nothing of the grace of God. 
There was no grace of God. No mercy. Vi- no, no grace, no mercy, none of that stuff. The grace, the they grace, were only the entitled. grace of God, the grace of God actually mm-hmm. is even all through the Old Testament. A lot of times we think the Old Testament was la, 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 la. But, you know, there, in the midst of that, there, there was God's grace. Absolutely. There was God's favor. For example, the, 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 the little girl Ruth and Esther and various ones. You know, God was merciful. God raised these people up as nobodies, basically, to do great and mighty things. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and God's grace has always been there. But the thing is, law kills grace. And you say, well, if we give them too much grace, we'll give them too much leniency, and they'll go lustful and lascivious. And my question and response back to that is, do you really know what grace is? Do you know why God gives us grace? God gives us grace because there's such a demonic spiritual warfare going on around here that there's no way we could survive it without the grace, the covering, the shields, the protection, the spirit, the word of God. There's no way. And God does not expect us to outsmart the devil. If you think you're going to outsmart the devil, you've already been fooled. You cannot outsmart the devil. The only way you can do Anything like that is to walk in the Holy Spirit as he leads you into all truth and triumph. So to, so the, the thing is that what's happening here is that with Jesus, the war is on. This is it. There has never been a challenge to the law up to this man showing up. He's a revolutionary. He is turning the tables upside down. He is saying, I'm come to set my people free. So you say, well, 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 well. It, it, Paul says, well, shall we continue in grace that sin may abound? Are, are we going to... Open the doors, the floodgates, and let everything come in. You know, the point is, if you know how much grace costs God to love us, forgive us, die for us, stand in our place, take the death sentence for us, and you know who you are, made in the image of God to love justice, truth, mercy, righteousness, peace, purity, holiness, and goodness, why would you even want to uh, test the limits of grace? Why would you even want to step outside that? Why would you not be completely affectionate and, and wonderfully blessed and encouraged in the grace of God? And why would you even want to sin? If you, if you know who you are, you're going to say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to sin. Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to get drunk? Why do I want to kill myself? Why would I want to do that? That's not who I am. But many people have been believing, uh, brainwashed into believing they are what they do or they are what people say about them or they are what happens to them. And so therefore they're, they're beside themselves and ready to cash in, give in because they don't believe they're worth anything. They're bad. They can't keep the law. They're not perfect. They're anxious. God's mad. They don't know what's going on. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Most of us are under a a heavy spirit, a demonic spirit of oppression. This nation is under a heavy spirit of oppression and judgment. But I would maintain, we say, well, is God judging? Who's judging? I'd say, you know, the devil is judging us. Why? Because we're we're because he can, because we're we're disobeying and he can he can judge it on ourselves. We're, well, we're, we're bringing we're, it on ourselves. We're bringing because, it on why? ourselves. Why? We're, we're basically why are we doing that? We do not believe God. That's right. We Be- do not believe God. We do not trust. We his believe grace. a lie. We, we do we, the we, whole. Yeah. We reject His word, and so when we reject His word, and we w- refuse to walk in it, and our refuse eyes are yeah. to walk in it. Basically, what Rebellion. we're doing is we're sending out invitations um, to, to the all devil, the demons of hell, and yeah. say, "Come on and take me over." 
Yeah. Come on and take over my family. Yeah, so, Come uh, on and take me. over my 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 city, my country. Yeah. We're inviting the control of the enemy, and because, that's what, yeah. that's what we've got. And and, and it talks about in the, yeah. the curses, Deuteronomy twenty eight. It says, if you you know if you obey me, I will and, bless and, you. And it's God just some kind of a thinks he's such a big deal that oh I've, he's got some an ego. You must obey me. You obey me now because I'm God. No, that's not his attitude. He knows that yeah. obedience to him brings us light and life and blessing and protection and, he, and protection. And he knows that if we disobey, yep. we're we're going to just get the, creamed the by curses, the dough. Yep. The curses are just going to cave in. That's exactly right. And people don't realize that. They think God is this killjoy. He's controlled. He gave me a free will and then he, 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 he punishes me for using it. No, it's like God knows the treachery of the spiritual warfare and he knows the minute you disobey. Satan is going to be there to collect on that which is his, which he's gotten through deception. You buy it, you buy into the lie, you belong to the devil. And here we have the whole uh, chapter one of Romans where we the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So the wrath of God is, is pent up and Satan gets to use you know, he he won. He won your heart. He got you to be- believe a lie, to rebel, to do it yourself, take matters into your own hands, uh, judge other people, become bitter and hateful, whatever. And so there's nothing left but for this wrath of God to come upon us. And it isn't even God's desire for this. It isn't his desire that he... Do you think parents like to spank their kids? A good parent really feels just about as bad when he spanks his child as the child is because... It's it's hard on him because he loves that child, but it says for this reason, it's, since the creation of the world, look where we are now. Since the creation of the world, his at, invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So God gave us plenty of demonstrations, examples, uh, reasons, in, incredible. Look uh, around you. Uh, object saying, lessons. All you have to do is look around at the universe, and you got to say, yeah. We didn't come from monkeys or. Oh, from oh yeah, slime. and even the eyeball you're using to look around is so fearfully and wonderfully made; it cannot even be replicated. So it's absolutely. I mean, it's stupid not to believe in that there's a God. But it's amazing that if I put a quarter over my eye, I can blind out the yeah. whole sunshine. The, the whole sun, a huge a- big sun, can be blocked out by one s- tiny little quarter if I put it well, right over my eye. Satan's got his quarters over. The eyes of most of the world. Yeah, right because now. they reject. Because although they knew God, how did we know God? Because God made us to know Him. That's how they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They d- refused to acknowledge life, be grateful for it. You know, the breath that God gives us, we must many use to curse Him. the The food that God gives us to sustain us, the food God gives us to keep us alive to give us strength and energy. We turn against him and use that energy to defy him. This is not going to go on forever like this. And you don't want to be in the wrong camp when the day and the judgment day, the day of his judgment well, his, is his called. God, God's wrath is really, you know, it, it's, a, it's upon the world. It right is. It, it is, is because here's the, the here's the product. The Bible says, he that believeth in the Son has life, but he that believeth not in the Son hath not Li- mm-hmm. hath not life. Um, I, I'm just going to read it. Let me just read it from. But John, the wrath of God John, abides on him, doesn't it? John three thirty six. I just want to make sure I yeah. read it absolutely correctly here. Um, 
He who, uh, John 3, 36, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides. The sustained anger of God uh, against sin mm-hmm. uh, abides on him. And and going back to Romans, how this happened was because gradually, little by little, they refused to glorify God. They called it a coincidence. They called it good luck. They they called their fortune whatever. They prayed to sticks and stones. And you know what? It's very clear in the Bible that sticks and stones. And may I also add, more recently we have we have uh, obelisks. Uh, that was what uh, what was his, uh, Nebuchadnezzar put up. We have those big. You know, obelisks. You know, they're like the, Washington, like the Washington, Washington Monument. Monument. That's an obelisk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we have those kinds of pagan symbols everywhere. We have statues that have been prayed to, and there are demons who animate these things and gather up these prayers, these offerings, these accolades, whatever, and they use that as an endorsement to to empower themselves. That's what blood is about too. Sacrifices mm-hmm. that that blood empowers Satan. Because blood is holy, the life so of the flesh the is in the is, blood, and so when people offer sacrifices or words or worship to a stick, a stone, a statue, or an obelisk, or a, a concept, or an ideology, you are actually practicing or a tradition. You're like, practicing idolatry. And that's what that's what these Pharisees were and doing. When you they do were, that, they were practicing idolatry. But their tradition was more important than the truth. And what happens when you do that is your mind becomes, your fu- your thoughts become futile, your hearts are darkened, your minds become debased. He says, professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image image made like unto corruptible man. What was the second commandment? Thou shalt not make any graven images before me. No pictures, no icons, no statues, no st- no sticks, no stones that are to represent me. Because what happens is people get all hung up on worshiping that thing or getting a relic off that thing or, or, or seeing that thing has some, giving that thing some special power, which is giving the devil power. You're the, giving the devil power. So what happens in, 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 in witchcraft and in, in many different forms of witchcraft, right. of course, right. is that we're looking for power. Right, to exactly. To take, take control, power for this. To protect ourselves. Don't trust God. Don't trust others. Mm Self-help courses. Mm -hmm. Power. It's up to me. You know, power in the workplace. Power in the church. Empowering. Empowering things. Well, what happens is you give yourself over. Satan's lie is this will will this will give you power. Well, really, there's only two power sources. So it's either God or Satan. In in the in the book of Genesis, he says, "I will you know, I will give you power to know. I will give power to be like God." That's what he mm-hmm. told Eve. Yeah. That was the lie. So what happens? His <laughs> sure, promise was of like power God. is that, oh, yeah, this will give you power. No, what happened, what the reality of that yeah. is, the truth of that is. You've just is traded. That, that I, will, uh-huh. if I, I will take power over you. Mm-hmm. If you will do this. That's yeah, what if happens. You, this is how it, this give, is how it works. Not, he says, I'll give it to you. And, but and, you and give well, you him give, you your give authority. Him. You, you give, give your him authority yes. to the devil when you agree with him. You give him permission to, uh, you give him your power because God gave the power to us. He gave it to Adam and Eve. And there's ever uh, Psalms and, and, and where it talks, um, he made us a little lower than the angels and gave us power, blah, blah, blah. And so when Adam and Eve got tricked, they trained, they changed in or turned in their power for a promise from Satan. And it was a bogus 
false promise because the, the horror of it was, the irony of it was, they already had everything he promised them. They already had it, and mm-hmm. they didn't recognize it. So going back to he pro- professing to be wise, they became fools back in Romans 1, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like a corruptible man, like birds, far-footed beasts, and creeping things. How many re- religions around the world have these unclean things, mostly serpents, snakes, and snakes dragons, and dragons that they worship. Elephants, and, monkeys. And, and the fiery serpent is still here. His imprint is in many, many Saints. places. Saints. Yeah. Therefore, God also gave them up. God gave so them up saints. to an unclean to uncleanness, to in the lusts of their hearts. Remember, their hearts are not good yet; they're they're unclean. The lust of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves. So this now we're getting into sexual sins because that's what they're talking about. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men, committing that which is shameful and receiving in in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even to this day, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all, listen, here's the list, unrighteousness. Does this describe our country in some segments? Not all. Thank God there's many righteous. Sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They're whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Here we go, Jesus. Disarming, uh, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgments of God, that they who practice such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but are also approve of those who practice them. So they're getting followers. They're, getting, they're making disciples of the evilness. Of the, but, but see, the thing is, this has been going on since before the flood. This was why we had the flood. And after the flood, it all started again. And now we're at the end of basically the age. We're at the end of this whole run where our, we have nothing but vile, yeah. debased, and Jesus is talking here about if your heart doesn't get cleaned out, the actions are going to follow out of your heart. Yeah. And the hypocrisy, the, the murders, the vile, the debased mind, the, the, the blindness. I think that's one of the worst parts of this whole thing. The worst part of hypocrisy and judging and religious self-righteousness is the spiritual blindness. I believe the blindness is a demon. I believe it blinds the eyes. And in, uh, let's see, is it Ezekiel 12, uh, 1 and 2, he says, uh, he said, son of man, you live in the midst of a rebellious house, mm-hmm. having eyes they do not see and having ears they do not yeah, hear exactly. because you live in the midst of a rebellious house. So the, the telltale signs of rebellion are eyes and ears that don't work. Mm-hmm. That's why Jesus said, do you have ears? Then listen. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, you are called by God. This is a very powerful privilege to be, to hear and respond to the, 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 the truth of God. The fact that you were able to respond to the truth of God in any measure at all is also because of the grace of God, mm-hmm. because of his calling you to yeah. respond. And yet many people have responded, and now they're all mucked up. They're dug down in the swamp of spiritual abuse and, and confusion. They're locked in churches. They feel bad. They're anxious. They're, I call them 
Christian neurotics. They're, they're, they're obsessed. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to make God happy or not. They're on torture racks. They're going nowhere with their life. They don't believe in God anymore. God doesn't exist. He's ripping us to shreds because we do not stand our ground in the truth. And if someone, this, is, this troubles me often, is that, okay, if someone actually, you know, hears the gospel and puts their faith in Jesus Christ, where do they go? Where, where are they going to learn? Who's going to help teach them? How to follow Jesus? Well, here's what the is only, what does okay. it mean to follow Jesus? Does it mean church and rules? Does uh-huh. it mean just okay? You know, here's continue, a, I have a good answer. Continue your own sinful lifestyle and saying, "Oh, the grace of God will cover all the bad things I do." What, what happens? Okay, here's what happens: when you're born, you have a need to eat food. You have a great need to eat food to live. And at first, you have been given parents, hopefully, or caregivers, who will prepare food for you and make sure you eat it. However, when you get beyond a certain point, you can't count. You have to get your own food. You can't wait for somebody to feed you out of the Word of God or to teach you because most of them are doing it for the wrong reasons. They're doing it for money. They're doing it for power. They're doing it for... But you can still eat. You can still read the Word. And I would say, for those of you who are floundering around in your church and not quite settled and don't quite think it's right, you are being called out. That dissettling, that that disruption, that feeling uh, weaned, that feeling uh, troubled is from God. Because he says, come out from among them, be separate, do not touch the unclean thing. So when you're starting to feel that unrest and you're seeing the hypocrisy and you don't know how to, you can't, it doesn't add up anymore. It doesn't make sense anymore. You can't excuse it anymore. It's getting too blatant. Then what you need to do is pull aside, just step aside from all that rat race and begin to read the Bible again for yourself. And you can go back to the book of the Gospel of Mark. It's a great place to start. Or Matthew or John or Luke, it doesn't matter. Read what Jesus did. First of all, know what Jesus did. Then from there, you can build on the rest. Paul adds to what Jesus didn't add, but he enhanced what Jesus said and how he taught. But here you're seeing Jesus full on in a battle with the Pharisees. Well, here, here what the Pharisees, back to this, what the Pharisees were doing. It says, where he says, um, uh, Verse start, eight. he uses an example. Yeah. He said, they reject the commandment of God, uh, verse 9 of Mark 7. All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. So he's talking about the washing of hands. Now, here he, he contrasts two different things here in verses 10 and 11. For Moses said, okay, you guys think you're following Moses. Yeah. You know, oh, Moses, Moses, he's our man. If he can't do it, nobody can. Well, and they hated uh, Moses when they was leading him in, in right. real well, they, time. They were always griping <laughs> at him for him. 40 years, and they yeah. wanted to kill him. Yeah. And then the, now they're revering him, supposedly, but they're dishonoring him by their actions. He says, Moses said, this is the you know, Ten Commandments, honor your father and your mother. Mm-hmm. And he who later on it says, he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. So there actually there is a curse on those who disrespect, disrespect, you know, re- disregard, refuse oh, to honor. Proverbs doesn't is full of that. Doesn't necessarily mean obey your father and mother and everything, but you honor them, you respect well, them as your parents. Yes. And if you don't, it, you, there's curses that are going to come on your life. But verse eleven, he says, "But you say, okay, well, here's what Moses said: Pharisees, the ones who claim to be the successors of Moses." You're saying something different. If a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you may have received from me is Corbin, that is a gift to God, then you no longer let him do anything 
for his father and mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. So mm-hmm. he, he's pointing out something very, very specific here. That he's, he takes this question about how come your disciples aren't washing their hands the way the scribes and Pharisees wash their hands in a ceremonial sense. But what, what, what was going on here is that, you know, say, the, they, say there's a Pharisee. You have, they, have, they, they establish this as a, as a rule, okay? As long as you, you, take, you say you have needy parents, but your first obligation is to mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. You must give this money into the temple, and then you can go to your parents and say, sorry, I can't really help you now because the money I have, I've given it to God. Where the, okay? And they're using God and as so an excuse to the, neglect it, 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 their excuse parents. Excuse to neglect their parents. That's what they are there, and that was what Jesus and, and, and that's what God hates. When God is being used as an excuse for you to sin against him, the devil sets it up to, you, to use God's word against God by getting you to twist, be twisted in that word to think that you're doing God a service when you're actually hurting his heart. Right. You know, and this is how many people said, Jesus said, they're going to kill you and think they're doing God a service. How many people are killing one another now in the name of God, in the name of their God? They're Allah, they're this, they're that. And we're just so, oh, I can't say anything. There is only one God and the rest are false gods and, and pretenders. And Jesus, Paul even said there would be false Jesuses, antichrist spirits, and we are full of them here. We are in such incredible spiritual danger that if we don't get back into the word of God and repent and come into the shelter of his pavilion, his, his rock of refuge under the shields of God, if we don't do that, there is no hope. You can't do, you won't survive. You will be taken out. You will die. And when you die, then you'll have to give an answer right away for what you did or didn't do. Are you ready to do that? Or do you still want to stand in having done all to stand as it says in Ephesians? Cause this is a spiritual battle. So going, going back to, you were going to say something. Yeah. I was going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a question here. For advice for those that might may be listening, that they're in a situation. Say they're in a church, and they've maybe been that church maybe for a long time, maybe a short amount of time, but they sense something's wrong. Mm-hmm. They see they see it's more entertainment and money oriented. Yeah. They see that it's really the teaching is not really very Sound. biblical. They're mm-hmm. seeing the hypocrisy. They're seeing mm-hmm. the whole mm-hmm. machine going. They have a sense that the you know corporation. What, but, but I, it's a corporation. Yeah. It's a system. I have, I, I've been here a while. I have, or I was here. born in this oh, system. Yeah, some people, very few people do that anymore. You know, yeah, I, but I was, some do. I was born this way, and okay. So, I, what's the question? The question is, what what do they do? <laughs> what do they do? do? They, well, here, do let they, me read you what they where do. They, where do they? They can they go step to the word. Out, where Where do they go? Well, they okay. So let's out, ask first. Ask why are you there? Why are you staying there? Because you are afraid. When we motivate, when we operate under a motivation of fear, we're operating out of, out of the devil's power and control. That's his system. His system is not love, it's fear. So when you're staying in there because you're afraid of what will happen to you, what people will say, uh, that this is, this is how you're going to get to heaven, fear, 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 fear. Man, fear. You're, yeah. you're, you're basing your, your disobedience on fear. And it may be fear of what you have believed is fear of walking away from the church. And how many people have I met that say, well, I haven't gone to church for a while, and I'm thinking God's mad at me. I say, no, it's good you're not going to church because the church right now is not a good place to go. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, um, he talks about being, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, verse 14. 
For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness, and what accord has Christ with Belial, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Going back to that Belial part, how can you worship God in spirit and in truth, in a simple gospel of grace, and love your neighbor, love your enemy, forgive one another, if you're mixing it all up with laws and traditions and judgments and confusion and and it's it's twisting you all up and making you nervous and anxious and and upset. He says, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? How many of our churches have idols? Whether they're idols of superstar pastors, superstar this or that, statues in the aisles, whatever it is, these are idols. For you are you are the temple of the living God. As God said, you are the temple. Don't worry about the temple you go to. You are the temple. It takes more attention, pay more attention to the temple of who you are. Let the Holy Spirit sweep out your temple, sweep out unrighteousness, lawlessness. He says, um, he says, and God has said, um, as as God has said, I will dwell in them, in them, and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That's pretty clear. Come out from among them. Touch not the unclean thing. Don't participate in those mixed that mixed bag of religion, tradition, and rules. Go with the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the revelation of God, and the love of Jesus. And you say, well, oh, I don't know. I might do it wrong. You know what? Are you, did God not commit himself to lead you into all truth? Do you not want to do God's will? If you've already said, yes, I want to do God's will, and you've already asked the Holy Spirit to lead you, you've already voted for God, and God is therefore committed to leading you into all truth. So therefore, when you go with your soul and say, I don't know, what am I doing? Am I doing it wrong? I could be doing it wrong. You're going back to your soul software. The Spirit of God does not use your soul software to talk to you. That's your feelings, your mind, your emotions, your confusion. He uses the Spirit of God bearing witness with your spirit. So in your people don't know how to walk in the Spirit because they've been, they've been uh, stunted. They have been kept uh, infantile. In, they've been fed milk and mush. And, 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 and pablum, and they don't know how to chew their food. They don't know how to eat vegetables. They don't know how to go after the good. They don't know how to spit out the bad. They, they just, they have been kept stupid and small and, and, and immature. And so they're, they're not warriors, they're insecure. <clears throat> and so what God wants to come out from among them, you know, it's not easy out here in the war. It is not easy, I promise you. But I promise you, it's way better than being cooked in the kettle with the frog. Absolutely. So it's time. It's time to really to really search this out because it's a difficult time. And to come to the point where there is a remnant, there's a remnant of grace. And Paul talks about in, in Romans uh, uh, 9 and 11 right in there about the remnant of Israel. Oh, praise that, God. That most of Israel... Most of the nation, most of the Jews were in rebellion. They were in unbelief. Confusion. You know, confusion. Fear. All that sort of thing. Compromised. Said, Even though all that is going on, there's a, there's a remnant that's going to be a saved. Oh. A, 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 actually, a relatively small remnant. portion According to the election. No. Of, of, of Israel 
And it's the same thing in the church. But here's the deal. You can be part of that remnant. There is no limited number, limited seating in this remnant. You can be part of that. You can have all of God you want. You're made by God. God longs after you. God's Holy Spirit is is, is drawing you. And, and, and But if you give place to fear and confusion, you're listening to the counselors of hell. If you give place to doubt, you're listening to the counselors of hell. What does Jesus say? Follow me. Follow me, and I will perfect that which concerns you. I will make you fishers of men. You are not in charge of your own spiritual life and development. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. It, your spiritual well-being and, 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 and aptitude and, and progress is not determined by how you feel. It's determined not—it says the just shall live by faith, not by feelings. So your righteousness is established in Jesus Christ. That's done. It's a done deal. Now walk in it. Yeah, you may fall down, get a mess going on, get feel compromised, feel controlled, be stuck, be troubled, be cornered by the devil. Yes, you will be. Well, ask the Lord to get you out of the mess. You don't have the wherewithal to get out of it, but he does. He is the God of escapes. He is also the God of escapes from death. If you are done with your life and you're sick of it and you don't like it anymore, then just Wrap it up and give it to Jesus and say, okay, Lord, see what you can do with it because I have run it into the ground. I've worn out myself, wrecked my body, used up all my resources, got everybody mad at me. I don't know what to do anymore. Lord, have mercy on me. At that point of surrender is the point of conversion. That's what happened with with Peter. He finally got to the end of himself where he saw, I can't make this happen anymore. I can't make Jesus do what I want him to do. I can't stop him from getting crucified. I'm going to have to go with the plan of God. And you can be part of that remnant. It's not limited seating. So, Father God, we thank you right now that you will encourage the hearts of those who listen to be stirred up to take action in their life. This is the only life they'll get. This is the life they have to give an account of. This is the life that can be beautiful and fulfill the ministry and complete the work you've called them to. Let them not be discouraged. Let them not self-examine. Peter, I mean, Paul says, I do not judge my own self. Don't get caught up in judging yourself. Let God be the judge. He knows your heart. The devil is right there to judge you and accuse you through your soul, mind. And he says, there is a condemnation that comes to those who walk in the flesh. Do not do that because you give Satan access to judging you and making you feel bad and guilty and responsible and stupid and it's your fault. And he dumps you right back in the judgment pit, the guilt pit where he can bring judgments upon you. So Father God, we thank you, thank you, thank you for the truth of your spirit going forth in this nation, in the church, in each individual to call us up out of this darkness, out of this debauchery, this debased, vile, filthy, God of this world, slime pit, into the righteous judgments of Jesus Christ, who is our hero. And we, Lord, give you praise for cleansing and healing and restoring and bringing hope to people today. In Jesus' name, amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.